You're listening to Season 4 of Straight Talk with Trevor. I can't believe they gave you another season, Daddy. What's up, Straight Talk Society? This is your host, Trevor, and I'm back with another episode of Straight Talk with Trevor, the podcast where no topic is off limits. Yep, you heard that right. We're in Season 4, and as my daughter so eloquently put it, they gave me another season. (laughs) And I thank you guys for coming along with the... um, coming along with me on this podcasting journey so in a continuous effort to bring you guys the top-notch quality shows in studio tonight well I'll tell you about that later but tonight my guest is a marriage and family therapist um, and her company name is a new way so in studio tonight we have Amia Santil how are you I am well, but I am definitely going to go by my government name, which is Manushka. Okay, see, <laughs> I didn't know if you want to use your real name. <laughs> yes, that's, that will be the name that you will find on the license. So, yes, it's Manushka um, St. Hill. I am doing well. Thank you for having me. And you are a real marriage and family I don't. I don't know that there are fake ones out there. There are okay. So you got you got. It's it's just like internet doctors and things like that. Everybody thinks right. that they could diagnose problems and That's things true. like that. That's true. That's true. Yes, I am a real marriage and family therapist. I went to St. Thomas University. Uh, I've been doing this since 2011. Okay. I have my own practice in Hollandale Beach, Florida, where I see clients privately, and I just really enjoy doing this work because it feels like home it doesn't feel like work it feels like something I was born to do okay so you already told me a little bit about yourself I didn't even have to ask you that (laughs) so um I got a bunch of questions for you um so let's just let's get started a few weeks ago I made a Facebook post so we're going to even go to the genesis of this conversation it was a general post that I just put up and I purposely just put it up and went cold for a day I didn't respond to it. I didn't even check to see if anybody said anything on it. But the post um, said, women rejected men who were going to make them wives for men who made them single mothers. Truth is, most men aren't trash, but your taste in men are. Uh. And then this, um, this marriage and relationship therapist responded on there. I wonder who that was. <laughs> Broad generalizations are dangerous. The problem is a narrative that life should be lived one way. Many of our grandparents' and parents' unions and marriages were filled with lies, secrets, side chicks, and outside children. We don't want to talk about the whole story. There is a different level of accountability in present-day relationships, and choice is afforded to men and women. So before we get started, admittedly, I'm the guy with the microphone. So... Wait, um, were you able to drop the mic after that? Because you didn't drop the mic. Because, I mean, I didn't even realize I posted that and I went that deep, but well, I felt that. Yeah, well, I, that's why I wanted to talk to you about it, because you may get a little pushback from me. Who knows? I may agree. Just It was so funny because when, when I posted it, I didn't tell anybody how I felt either way. Um, I didn't tell them if I was for the post or against the post. I literally just posted it as kind of research Mm -hmm. for a future show Mm -hmm. so here we go um so first of all you have a podcast called talk love to me Mm -hmm. um so my first question is to you what is love love is a definition that cannot be 
it, it's not narrow. You really can't put it into words and you can't make other people like your definition of love. Love is something that is discovered. Love is something that is created. Love is something that is formulated. There are, there's not a concrete definition of love. So for me, when I work with my clients, I tell them at the end of the day, the objective is to do no harm. So that's what my love looks like. So that whatever relationship I am in, whether it's a um, emotional relationship, relationship with my mother, sister, brother, coworkers, my definition of love is to do no harm. I will never do anything to purposely hurt you. That will never be my intent. But somebody else's definition of love could be, you know, it could be strictly physical. So everybody has a different definition of love, especially based on how love was introduced to them. Okay, right there. So let me ask you, what was your first example of love? So that's a hard one because the father-daughter dynamic, based on my clinical knowledge, is our first experience of love, right? So in the absence of that, which is what happened for me, you kind of formulate your idea of what love is based on what you see television based on what your perception is what you see other people doing and you really don't have that so as a little girl i knew the love in relationship between my mother i know what it was to be a sister i understood that dynamic but the dynamic between a man and a woman because my parents weren't in love let's be clear they were married for 21 years had three children and were they were not in love and my mother will talk about it till this day. You know, she was pregnant when she walked down the aisle with my sister. And so it was one of those things where they used to call a shotgun wedding. Like, you either marry my daughter or else, right? So I didn't, I didn't experience love in the household. Like, I didn't see that displayed for me on a daily basis. So for me, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Okay, let's stop right there because I got a question for you. So if a child is raised without any demonstration or affection from mom and dad, how can they be prepared to effectively evaluate if someone is best suited for them as a mate? It's hard. I'm going to be completely honest with you. That's why we have so many people walking around here damaged, hurt, broken, have these question marks of what love looked like because if you did not experience it in your childhood, because as a child, everything that you are is inputted into you, right? So those are, we talk about those foundational years of zero to six, how important it is that that child feels secured, loved, and protected. So that, that is such a concrete time for that child to develop their social emotional self, right? So in the absence of that, they, be, they see the world as troublesome. They, see, they walk into this world scared. They lack trust. There is so many things. So there's Eric Erickson's stage, psychosocial stages of development. And so it talks about how when you're a, a baby, as early as zero to six months, if your mother does not pick you up when you cry, you learn as a child that you can't trust the world, that your needs are not going to be met, that you will learn how to self-soothe 
and self-protect going your bubble and that's as early as zero to six months people assume that that happens later on in life because you know you've gotten into a relationship and somebody broke your heart but no you learn that lack of trust ever since you were zero to six months based on how your parents um, interacted with you so yes as a as a baby if you don't get it if you don't see it growing up it does become hard for you because you don't know what you're looking for but i think that's where education comes in at right the uh, why the school system is so important why we have aunts and uncles we have those proxy parents because i do believe that god provides that opportunity in the in our communities you know that saying of it takes a village to raise a child it's it means so much more because it takes more than just the mom and dad to raise a child so maybe i didn't have that experience with my parents but i definitely had that in my church community so i saw like the pastor and his wife and i saw like other relationships in the church which gave me an idea of what it's supposed to look like but still it was it was a trial and error Okay, so um, so back to back to the post. So I wanna I wanna I wanna pick this out of you. Do you think the lack of seeing that loving relationship growing up is the reason why most women, not all, not all, most of them though, um, do bad in picking men? I believe that as a whole society don't know what they're looking for right we all have this idea of what we want in a relationship and we don't know what we're looking for because we haven't defined ourselves right you have to know who you are first before you now seek a relationship so if you don't know what love is there should be a period of self-discovery that happens before you go out there and now try to love somebody because you don't have it to give so having the real conversation about i'm not ready nor do i know how to do this like that 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 truth serum that people aren't willing to take to say you know what i'm a terrible partner i'm a terrible friend i don't know how to do this and actually seeking help or seeking advice like everybody just wants to do things on their own and so a lot of people come into therapy you think that they're in here because it's something traumatic like they've been raped or they've been you know um, traumatized to a degree that they can't function but sometimes it's just as simple as not trying trying to figure out life because we all there's no book of life so let me ask you something do you do you believe there's such thing as a perfect relationship oh no perfect but it depends on what your definition of perfect is, right? Because perfect for you is not perfect for me, right? So for me, uh, uh, a description of a perfect relationship for me because my love language is words of affirmation, right? So this is talking about this, the know thyself before you go in a relationship. So I know that if I'm in a relationship with somebody and they don't use words of affirmation in my relationship, it's not going to work. It is not going to work because I don't feel loved based on my love language. So, okay, so it might be perfect so hold on, for hold you, on. but not me. Hold on right there. You said if they don't use words of affirmation, what if you're with someone who just, that's just not their thing? I mean, they don't, they don't have to, they feel it like they don't constantly have to validate you every day. So that's where the conversation comes in at, right? So we're willing to have conversations and negotiate for work 
for the car, for everything else in life. But this person that you say that you love, that you are having intimate relationship with, that you are now going to spend the rest of your life with, that you're gonna have children with, you're not willing to have a conversation and talk about what your needs are and what my needs are and how we can make sure that as a couple, we are meeting each other's needs and what that looks like because like i said there are five love languages and everybody has different love languages i know mine is words of affirmation is he going to check the box and hit the mark every single time no but i need the oh i like that hairstyle or i like your shirt or i like your pants like i i need that because that's my love tank he might need quality time okay so hold on you don't you don't see that as insecurity within yourself no, that you constantly need someone to to so, I, I okay so no go ahead and I'm just I'm devil's advocate here I I just see it as coddling almost where with men okay because I'm a man alpha male we um we have problems expressing ourselves all the time so we're not gonna be the ones that's always oh baby I love your hair or baby I love your shirt I love this. We, we don't feel like we have to do that all the time right. to still prove that we love you. To us, saying I love you is, baby, I, 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 cut, I made sure the grass was cut and baby, the, the lights are on. And we, we love different. Um, I, I, I did a, I did a, I was about to say a message, like I'm still preaching. I did a, um, I did a show a couple of, of, of episodes ago where I said that our women don't, they can't hear us crying because we don't speak the we don't speak the same language. So for you, you may like to hear the affirmations, but for us, we may not know how to do that. Right. So and who 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 teaches who teaches us to give you what you need? Right. And so this goes to the point of why do I see a therapist and why am I not just having a conversation? Right? Because there are some things that exist in science and there's some things that exist in creationism. I think the two are married because science could not exist without God. God gave science permission to exist. So am I going to use the tools that, that exist within science to make sure I do what I need to do? Yes, and so when we talk about the five love languages, which is based on science, right? So there's five of them. There's words of affirmation, there's acts of service, there's quality time, there's giving gifts. And I don't remember where the last one is. I think it's touching, right? Romance, I was No, about to it's touching, <laughs> right. It's physical touch, right? So there's, there's five, right? So this is the thing. You aren't, I'm not words of affirmation all the time, because let's say we spit it up in like 100%, like a pie or whatever. I might be 20% words of affirmation and 10% um, giving gifts and, 5% quality time. Like, as long as that that's happening on a spectrum, okay, okay. then you are filling my love tank, right? Because Man. the goal is that each person feels valued and based on what their love language is, because your top one might be physical touch. And so your wife knows, and she might not like physical touch, right? That's not her thing. But if I know what's important to my spouse is physical touch, I'm gonna rub your back on the way out the house. I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to make an effort to make sure I give you what you need. I don't have to because everything about a marriage is a courtesy. Everything about relationships is a courtesy. We do things for each other. There's no requirements. I don't, I don't believe in 
what should and should not happen because I came in this world by myself. I'm leaving by myself. <laughs> well, that had to be another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so everything is a courtesy that you do unto others. So, I mean, I think the, the oldest verb is do unto others as you want it done unto yourself. So you want some, you want somebody to know that this is important for me and I want you, I, I, I need words of affirmation, but do I need it all the time? But no, I'm like 20%, but I'm also okay. quality time. I'm also acts of service. I'm also physical touch, but it's what percentage of it, what would give you more bank? Would be the affirmation. Right. Okay. So let me ask you this question. Can someone raised on survival commit to someone raised on love? Oh, so... I believe in this fact that we attract what we are. I don't know that someone raised on love would be attracted to someone raised on survival. Ah, ah hold on there, because, I, I mean, we see it in our community. Um, most women who, most women are attracted to the bad boys. The so, boys raised from the single parent household. So are they attracted to the deficiencies that may be prevalent within them? Like there might be there might be a void in them that they're trying to fill with that person. So it's not necessarily that I'm attracted to the bad boy, but what is that bad boy doing that is drawing me in that I feel a deficit in, right? So let's say your love I'm going back to love languages. If my love language is words of affirmation and I and nobody tells me I love you, you're beautiful, all of that. And here go Ricky from the block. Hey, you fine girl. All the time. Constantly flooding me with words of affirmation. So it's not necessarily that I'm attracted to the bad boy. I'm attracted to what he's fulfilling. And so a lot of people don't even know that or realize that about himself. That goes back to know thyself. Who are you before you enter a relationship? See, uh, Straight Talk Society, I want you to know that I I researched to bring you guys the best guests because what what you're getting right now you'd have to pay a whole bunch of money right. for. But she is doing this as a courtesy to me. HMO PPO I take off. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so um so I want I want to go back here because um where's my question? So you mentioned our grandparents. Um, why is it that they stayed together seemingly forever, but today we seem to run at the first sign of trouble? Like, what's that song? She's a runner. She's a next song. <laughs> Boy, do we run. So that's like a loaded question because I do think personally that we, we quit too fast, right? I'm, I'm going to be honest about that, especially as being as a therapist, believing that we should put in the work for us to get the outcome that we desire. Uh, but I do believe that our grandparents, they they told a lot of lies. And yeah, because you, you mentioned that, in the, and I was going to go back to that, because you, you talked about the outside kids and the, the relationship and, and a lot of times the abuse. Um, all we saw was grandma and grandpa being together, but we never saw, once we left the house, what was going on. Right, right, right. And so I think, I believe that people are more comfortable in speaking their truth and being open about their relationships and understanding what abuse is and what 
you know, emotional abuses and what physical abuse is. It's like anything else. Like, until you have a definition for it, you don't really know what it is. And so in order for me to define something that is happening to me, I have to first know what it is. But in the absence of that, I think that I'm dealing with this by myself and this is isolation. So Mr. Mr. Junior just beats me up and and sealy them down the street, they don't get beat. So it's like, if we don't have these community conversations about what this is and what it looks like, then people think they're having these experiences in isolation and they feel like it's just happening to them. So they can't define what is happening. But I think through education and time, we've been able to define like, this is emotional abuse, this is physical abuse. These are the things that should not be happening because remember my definition of love do no harm so if i'm hurting that person physically hurting emotionally hurting that person then there's a consideration that this might not be a good fit but they were willing to put on face keep face right so it was all about keeping face back then right making sure the image of what was actually showed up like people wanted to make sure they had a two-parent household even though somebody was getting their butt kicked every night that was more important to them than being alive to see their children grow up so let me ask you a question um this is going back way to season one as you said two-parent household do you think a two-parent household is more beneficial for the um the success of the kids i believe that a healthy household is beneficial for the success of a child so if it's a two-parent household and there's nothing but yelling and screaming and disorderly conduct, how is that helpful for the child? How is that helpful? So I'm not the person that's going to say, oh, no, a child can thrive in a single-parent household and a child can try, thrive better in a um, two-parent household. A child can thrive in a healthy household. So whatever that looks like, two-parent household, single-parent household, of course the preference is for two families, two-parent household. Two incomes are better than one. Two people to bounce off emotions is better than one. Two people to do chores is better than one. The partnership and collaboration is always my first choice because my motto is we have been placed on this planet to coexist with people. Not cars, not jobs, not iPhones, not TikTok, but <laughs> people. So your relationships matter, how you end them, start them, and maintain them. So it's always going to be relationships for me. Okay, so do you think um, people today lack morals uh, with the constant jumping from relationship to relationship? I believe, I mean, I think more, there's the moral ethical code of what is their moral standing and what their definition of their relationship is and what they believe they should stand for, right? So I don't, I think people are no nonsense more so than they were back then. I don't know if it's about that's what causes them to jump to relationships. I think people aren't willing to, we're not communicating. We're not talking to each other. The computers and the iPhones and the television and the streaming has taken over our ability to just to communicate, talk. Yeah, to right. So people other. aren't necessarily leaving because they lack morals. People are leaving because they lack the ability to communicate with other people 
because that's essentially what happens. Like, I'm mad at you because I thought you said something and then it carries over. I don't talk to you for two days and then I get mad at you for something else and it just starts compiling and that never gets resolved. And then now we just go down the honeymoon stage and then we're right back to where we started. We never resolve. It's, I, it's communication. It's not morals. They lack communication. So what makes a relationship unhealthy? You, how long you got? <laughs> hey, you got we're doing real good on time <laughs> i think like i said it's do no harm like i'm always gonna go back to do no harm like when it when it people definitions of unhealthy is different because it's based on your upbringing because if you grew up seeing that your mom was physically abused you will believe that the way somebody shows love is to hit me and in the absence of them hitting me then they must really don't love me so unhealthy to that person would be that person not hitting them right because he, he 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 they like invoke violence or they'll push that person to the limit because they feel like if they, if i don't see that physical altercation then he's not paying me no mind he's seeing somebody else like all of the dysfunction that was bought into that child's life as a, um that that adult life as a child is showing up as an adult so they develop unhealthy patterns and behaviors. So let me tell you, everything that I do as a therapist is based on pattern and behavior. That's how come we can be objective because I'm not looking at, at you as an individual and you as an individual, I'm looking at your patterns of behavior that have caused you to come to this point of your life. Like what patterns of behaviors have you established as a norm that has caused you to become who you are. And my job is to break those patterns of behavior because it is, it is debilitating and it's stopping you from moving in the direction that you desire. So patterns and behavior, you could be a smoker, right? I wanna quit smoking. You have an addictive personality. So going back to when did you first pick up that cigarette? What did you use it for? Was it there to compensate for something else? Like, so we track stories. We try to identify where did this story take a turn? Because we were all came in this world not smoking, drinking, cussing, nothing. You know, we were babies. We came into this world with no concept. And so everything that we are was poured into us and we picked up along the way. So the things that aren't beneficial to us and not moving us in the right direction, we got to let go of those patterns of behaviors. And so that's really what therapy is. So, okay. You see how I always bring it back to therapy? Yeah, I, 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 I know somebody who's going to love this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let me ask you a question. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm the podcaster. I'm the guy that likes to talk. I, I tend to, when I'm having general conversations or, or things like that, again, I'm not a professional, I if I see a woman act in a particular way or anything like that, the first thing I always want to ask is about her relationship with her father. In, in your professional opinion, do you think, what would you say the percentage is that it all goes back to that father-daughter relationship? I would be making a broad generalization, <laughs> Go back to, if I said 100%, right? Um, but I believe it, I would say for me, it's about 50%. It's half. Like a lot of that is, um, dependent on your relationship with your father. And somebody will say, oh, I grew up with my mother. I had a very loving relationship. Everything was great. 
but do you know how to love a man? In the absence of you seeing that, having that experience, having that experience, do you know how to, did you see your mom love a man? Do you, have you witnessed that as a pattern in behavior that you want to pick up and develop and grow into? And if you have not, there is a possibility that you're going to struggle in the area. I'm not saying that you're not going to be okay and that you haven't read any self-help book, you know, and, and, and listen to T.D. Jakes and Sarah Jakes and had some, 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 some help along the way. But I am going to say that there will be some things that you struggle with. Okay, I want to go. <laughs> I mean, hey. <laughs> You're not gonna get any kickback from me. Um, I want to go back to the post. See, he thought he was gonna fight with me. He really thought he was well, gonna fight no, with me. Well, no, actually, I didn't because you're surprised that we. You like, dang, she might, she might and, be and, right. And it's funny your answers, and I'm looking at my questions. And I'm like, well, damn, she's answering that for me. So, so let me ask you a question. Um, so I want to go back to the post and your comment. You said that I made a broad generalization. Um, what was the read the, read the post again? So let's let's go said, back. Oh, yeah, the women making the wrong choices. Yeah, so women rejected men who were going to make them wives for men who made them single mothers. So now my next, right off of that statement there, my next um, question to you was, um, according, question statement, according to the CDC, 72% of black children of black children are born to unwed mothers. Now, I got that from the CDC. And Center for Disease Control. But I've seen the it. Same in, one we've been listening to for COVID. I've seen it in other. Um, I've, the number is always hovering around seventy percent. So that goes back to the the post, though. So you 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 leave the guy that was going to make you a wife for the guy that now makes you a single mother. So now we have another statistic. Our, our kids goes, are constantly being statistics. It goes back. To the conversation of us not having the real conversation about these broken children coming from these broken homes so I'm gonna drop one on you so when we talk about the statistics of the children that are being being reared in single-family homes who were their parents weren't they parents married for 20 years 20 30 years there was damage in those households. So these supposedly happy, healthy two-parent homes produce a product that would that you would hope they were gonna replicate something good, right? But they chose not to replicate something good because there was something that didn't sit well, a pattern of behavior that they did not pick up, and so they replicated the opposite. So the question is, for, all, for this generation that, are, that, that we're rearing these single family homes is to look back, because you gotta look back two, three generations to determine what's happening now, is to talk about those parents that wed and weren't in love and just did it because it was what was expected of them or it was just the next step. And, and so that child grew up, they didn't see love. So when it was time to replicate it, they chose the wrong person. <laughs> you <laughs> all right so rarely somebody gets me quiet <laughs> um I, 
I mean, I, 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 I don't, mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you. Um, it's heartbreaking, <laughs> Trevor. Like because you know, I even have this conversation with people that talk about how bad these kids are in this generation. They don't listen. They're this and they're that, and I'm like. Those are your kids. Yeah, we created. These are our children that we are rearing. My old, my daughter is fifteen now. So if I'm talking about a, a terrible generation and how bad they are and how disorderly they are, you have to be reflective of your parenting style. And where did you learn your parenting style from? The secrets, the sneaking out, can't talk to your parent about anything, all of the lies you had to tell. So when you when it was time for you to rear children, you didn't develop that relationship. You are modeling what was done to you. So it's not necessarily, we were just more scared because we didn't have the um, internet to fact check our parents' lies, talking about we gonna get pregnant the first time we have sex. <laughs> <laughs> now we know. I got. The, I got. The, my daughter got the flow app. She knows she not ovulating. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we, she, <laughs> All right. I, I saw. I saw. <laughs> I saw a meme. I saw a meme or a post on Twitter or something. And it, it really it really stuck with me. It said that um, most of us are living life just like our grandparents, and we don't even realize it. And I was like, huh. That really, because like you say, the lies and the, the deception and everything. So we're always talking about, oh, grandma grandpa has been together 30, 40, 50, 60 years, but were they happy? And here we are now in marriages, and most of us, are not happy we 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 know how to fake just like you go to all the churches around every sunday you have a bunch of broken people putting on a facade and if you look at the relationships across the country that's what's going on we we are replicating our grandparents yeah it's uh it's the for me it's the unhappiness uh it's the i go back and I say this all the time, no one's coming to save you. Like nobody's coming to make you happy. Nobody's coming to fix your life. That is an inside job. And a lot of people want something different and they just don't know how to go about it, nor are they willing to put the steps in place to make sure they do it. And so people just complaining, miserable, complaining, unhappy. But nobody wanna do the work. You don't wanna come to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> So let me ask you, do you think we romanticize the relationships that we see in the media? So everybody everybody wants to be Barack and Michelle. Everybody wants to be, I'm not even going to say Miss Red Flag herself, but um, every, everybody wants to be all the relationships that we see on TV. We all want to be Future and, and, and Sierra. But right. we, don't, we don't know the story behind it. No. We romanticize what we see on TV based on the glamour that they show us. Right. Everybody wants the uh, bay crush, uh, vacation, like all of that stuff is just imagery, right? It's, it's, it's what we imagine for ourselves. But the reality is... Uh, you, you, your vacation might be to Fort Lauderdale Beach. You know what I mean? Like, we have to create the life that is worthy of our existence. We have to create the life that is worthy of our existence. You have to put in the work to get the outcome of what you want for your life. You can't look at somebody else's life and say you want that. And that's where the whole robbery and burglary and, and um, uh, 
scamming is coming from because people believe that they deserve it without the work. No one's willing to put in the work. Now, that, that's a whole nother topic. Like, we have some, I'm sorry, we got some lazy people. We have people that are genuinely lazy and spoiled. So, do you feel your marriage and relationship therapist, do you feel the ultimate goal should be marriage? Finally, <laughs> man, I finally stumped her. Jeez. <laughs> oh man, oh, I don't know how to answer this. Is the ultimate? I'm sorry, sir. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> well, okay. So, what is marriage, first of all? So, marriage is a union, right? So, yeah, you don't want me to crack open the history books, right? Let's go ahead. Because marriage is a union. But marriage was really created for the slave owners to track and document their slaves so that they know what, who made it with who so that they can track the offspring so that they can sell for profit. Like that whole idea of union, marriage, putting two people together, like that concept was created as a, as a, as a result of slavery and colonization. So I would be curious to explore what marriage looked like prior to colonization, prior to the time where we were taken from Africa and asked, what does that look like? I am curious. Like, I would be willing to, you know, do the research because I don't think it looks like what it is now. All right. So um, I definitely want to do that show with you because that's <laughs> that's a broad, I mean, that, that alone could just be an entire show. So I want to move on. But um, based on your professional experience, have you seen an increase of successful marriages or long-term non-marital committed relationships? I've seen an increase in partnership. So non paper marriage no like i mean marriage like i said marriage is just a title right are they moving towards married or married already yes a lot more partnerships have they signed the paper not necessarily but people are making more of a conscious effort to do premarital counseling to have the conversation on the front end opposed to having a conversation on the back end. There's definitely a wave of like, especially, so the millennials are like 30 years old now, right? So we can't really be, you know, talk about them not knowing, like they are moving consciously. Like they are moving a lot different from us, Generation X. We're X, right? You got me. <laughs> so they're moving differently from us because um, we were still mirroring a lot of what our parents did. Whereas the millennials was like, I ain't doing that. I ain't working your 30 years. I'm not doing that. I'm not working for 30 years. You know what? I'm going to change jobs because I don't like the way that manager spoke to me. But, but as you say that, that's how they're treating relationships also. I'm gonna change men every year because maybe he came home mad one day and said something to me that I didn't like. I can't put up with this girl's attitude. 
and we just constantly change. It's constant turnover. Unlike our parents and their parents before us, nobody wanted to, to fight for anything anymore. Nobody I, wants to fight it, fight for anything. I don't think they're changing because of that concept. I think they're changing because they're modeling what they, they know what they don't want. So it's easier to identify a part of a relationship that is not beneficial to you and move on opposed to the prior generation that would be willing to stay even at their demise, right? So it's about, when I was talking about millennials, they value more time, space, freedom, opposed to us where we valued work, um, community. So the values are definitely different um, as it relates to the different generations, but I don't think it's bad. You know, like I'm, I'm sorry. Like I, we're like, you know, borderline. I'm like November seventy nine. I was almost a millennial, right? So I have this mindset of, I let go of things that no longer serve me. You know, like I'm not a. I, I go hard and I'm consistent in areas of focus, like, you know, my work or something that I want to accomplish, but I don't want any to deal with any hurt because I've had enough of that for my lifetime, enough of that. So yeah, I think there is a, a mindset of not sticking around for the hurt. This is totally off topic, but I feel like the way this conversation is going, you'll, you'll give me something here. What role does, um, feminist feminism play in all of this oh feminism so there's a misconception that feminism is all about power to the woman um but you know based on my education of what feminist feminism is it's about equality for all right but most you know of course with the emphasis on women so it's about equal pay um you know e just equality for women in in all of the things that we participate in so, you know, the fact that 10, 20 years ago, like a man and a woman could be working the same job, but you're getting paid higher. I think even now their male nurses still get paid higher than female nurses. So, you know, there's this idea that feminism is about demasculating um, the man, like get like I'm going to make you less of a man because I think I'm more of a woman and I can do all these things. I don't that's not how I understood it, but I think people uh push feminism to um, push their own agenda. To... It's definitely been um, demonized. Right. So I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable right now. Um, Let me sit up in my seat. <laughs> when it comes to marriage, why is it so hard for husbands and wives to communicate their sexual desires? So it goes back. Do you, do you get those type of people? Oh, in, absolutely. In okay. So sex for a long time has been a cliche, you know, so we are let go into the science we are physical beings and part of our physical being is the desire to mate right because you see you see the animals anytime any place right so but we get in our emotions we get in our feelings there's all of these external factors and variables that impact our ability to do that physical part of it it's because i tell people all the time now y'all not gonna like this the women you might have a whole different comment section but i'm gonna put it out there <laughs> When I have a man that comes into session that talks about the fact that he cheated on his wife and it was just sex and me being able to understand that opposed to the woman that cheats and saying that it's not just sex because it's emotional, right? Because I have a, I have a four year old. I had a two year old. I have boys. 
So if you have a child that has a full erection at three days, you know what I mean? Like it's a physical manifestation of who they are. Like they have erections. So there is a biological part of them that they can't control. So that part when they say men lead with their with their their um, penises, <laughs> yeah, because that that child doesn't know what's happening, but they're still having a physical reaction. So I think men have a a orientation or a desire, like they're more sexual beings. And so I believe a man when he said it was just sex. Um, most of the men, most of the men I talk to, that's. That's what it is. It's it's always just sex. It's I'm not getting my desires met at home. She does it, bomb. But all my emotion is at home. Right. Whereas when you talk to women, they get in these emotional relationships. Right. But is that so? And I but I talk. I also talk to my couples about marriage is a contractual agreement, right? So when we entered into this relationship, we contractually agreed to this, 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 and this. And if at any point in our agreement and in our marriage, things change, we have to go back to the table because you can't take people's choices away, right? So if your wife is like, look, I don't have it for you. You you can, like, I, I, like these open marriages and this open concept, like it's between the two people that are in the union. Whatever happens at the end, that's between you and God. But you can't keep taking people's choices away and doing it on the down low or behind the woman's back. If that's not, if you're going to have an agreement, like I need this, like I, we, we, we need to have sex twice a week. Or, you know, like what is the agreement within your marriage and how are we renegotiating that every year? Even as it relates to the fact that I want to move to Naples and no, I want to move to Atlanta. That's a conversation. Maybe we thought that we were going to spend all our lives in Fort Lauderdale and now it's, I don't want to stay in Fort Lauderdale. I don't want to retire in Fort Lauderdale. But if we're not having that conversation of how the terms of our agreement has changed, then yeah, we're going to run into these hiccups. Listen, um, so I, I can just see my, I, with, I, and you know what? I'm going to clip that part. Um, I, I can see my, I can see my male audience just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and I'm going to get all this. I just, I just, I, yeah, I just totally agree with, but why is it so hard for us to, um, to discuss that though? Why is the simplest thing should be sex? Like, okay, so you you could talk about money, you could talk about career choices and everything, but when it comes to sex, it's still so taboo in relationships. So let's you know, just like how you were doing that statistic early about what percentage of young women, um, the unwed, are unwedded, uh, are do not wed. Uh, it's the same conversation, the real conversation about what percentage of women were sexually molested. Right. So having a conversation about what sex is to that person and how was sex introduced to that young woman and what is her level of comfort with sex? And does she feel sex as a a connection, emotional connection, or is she repulsed by it because she was sexually abused? Like the percentage of black women that have been sexually abused. And see, I can talk from this space because I'm healed from it. Cause I was five years old. I was sexually abused when I was five years old. And I can, I can talk about it now because I know it wasn't anything that I did wrong. 
and it was not my fault. So at five years old, for you to introduce a sexual relationship to a child, so your first experience with sex or that intimacy and that touching is with somebody that is inappropriately doing things that they're not supposed to be doing, you have a bad relationship with sex. You grow up to not love and welcome it. It becomes something that you feel is a task that you're doing to please the other person. And then when that person doesn't show you enough attention or they don't respond, then now you feel some type of way. So when we're talking about, when we having these real conversations, let's talk about the fact, the number of young black girls that have been sexually molested by the uncles, the cousin, the second cousin, the stepbrother, and nobody's talking about it. I always say that we're willing, we will throw away our gay child, but we gonna let the, Uncle Molesta sit at the dinner table because nobody want to talk about the fact that Craig been molesting five generations and the impact that has on one child like that mother becomes a mother becomes a grandmother have children like it's a long-term effect so yes your introduction to sex determines your relationship with sex so i think these women and these husbands and these relationships needs to have a real conversation like were you molested what was your introduction to sex it may negatively impact how they respond because i worked with rape victims i worked with trying to redefine what sex means to them so so they come to a point where now they enjoy it with their husbands because that trauma is real how do you have that conversation though as a man i think just asking the question like what <laughs> what do what was your introduction to sex what was like? your introduction to sex yes what was your introduction to sex what was not your first time because we even have men that talk about oh yeah i was 12 years old and, and um my cousin's friend was 19 and they came over and you know i had sex at 12 a man and, you know, for men, when that happens, it's, it's cool. like a dab and it's a yeah. high five, but that's not good. The, 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 the power boundary um, has been broken. Like, it's, it's the submission that, is, that this person now enters. So now this young man has a relationship with sex that is more about submission, right? So how it's, it's so deep. Um, straight talk society. I may have to make you guys pay for this episode. <laughs> right. right. I told, I told Trevor, I said, we need to stay in a lane because this is what happens. You go and you go and you turn. There's so many topics in life that really don't get enough airtime because we make the assumption that we're supposed to wing this thing called life. What would happen if we were strategic about everything we did in our lives? If time is truly of value, you would make sure you are spending your time living wisely, being intentional about the things that you're doing with your time, loving the people that you're supposed to be love, loving and maximizing this experience called life. But we just throw it away. It's just something that we have. We just, just going through it. We're just kind of like going with the flow. If it happens, it happens. Like I am very, I am I'm in I am in love with life only because like I I just believe that it's a gift. Like this is I, I tell people all the time, I wasn't born here, I'm from Haiti. This is not supposed to be my life. 
this was not supposed to be my life. I was absolutely supposed to be in Haiti, probably married to some 60-year-old Haitian man with four kids. <laughs> <laughs> but being that I'm here, I'm in the United States of America, y'all. I'm, so, I'm going to work this thing called its life. And you know what? I'm going to end this first segment right there. I mean, you 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 touched way more than I had questions for, and this first segment was awesome. And we're going to come back after a word from our uh, sponsor. And we're back. Um, I want to introduce a new segment to the show. So from that Facebook post, I received a letter from a loyal listener of the show. And since I have um, Mia in, in studio, I want to have her dissect this letter. So in full disclosure, the letter was really, really long. So I had to go through it and kind of chop it up, condense it for time's sake. Um, so just bear with me as I get through this. I have to read this. Um, and if you have a letter that you want to send me, you could always send it to straighttalkwithtrevor at gmail.com. Um, I normally respond within a day. So here we go. Dear Straight Talk, my story doesn't have a happy ending. My mother-in-law has been living with me and my husband since day one of our marriage. I asked my husband if we could get a place together because I overheard his mother talking about me like a dog. I thought we had a great relationship, but she basically said I was trying to take her son away from her. He's an only child. I never told him I heard her speak of, uh, speak to me in a bad way because I didn't want to cause any friction in our home. Well, needless to say, he did not agree with me wanting to get our own place. His plan was for her to live with us during our entire marriage. <sighs> she started doing crazy things to provoke me and my children. It was so crazy until her own family members thought something was wrong with her. Every time I told my husband of the cruel things she was doing, he didn't stop her. He never told her to leave me alone. I didn't respect her or physically try to harm her. She truly, she truly felt in her heart I was trying to take her son away from her. I started telling him scripture because he's a deacon and she's a mother of the church, but he wouldn't budge. Um, I suffered for a whole year because I tried to deal with it and I wasn't going to let her win. Her goal was to get me out of the house so she can have him to herself. <laughs> um, she saw nothing that she was doing. She saw that nothing she was doing was working. So she decided to put salt in me, my daughter and my grandbaby's bed. This situation got so bad. I started sleeping in another room. I told him about it and even showed him the beds and he still didn't believe me. So I left. My husband and I are separated now because of her. He refuses to put me first because he was too afraid of hurting his mother. This woman has had it in her mind that I was trying to take her son away from her. She was upset because she wanted to have control over me and my husband's home. And I told her that um, there can only be one queen and that's me. This lady tormented me because of her sick infatuation with her son. He will never let her go either. I'm his third marriage, and they both stated that's why they left him. I never wanted him to disrespect her. I just wanted her, him to tell her to stop and that she needed to respect me as his wife. He only cares about hurting her and not me. Um, so, obviously... I almost like, can you read that again? <laughs> obviously, um, this, 
Ryder's going to re remain anonymous, but she did ask that um that we please include include this on a segment on the show, and there's no better show to include this um, than with you. So she asks a couple of questions. Um, her first question is, is this common in Mama's Boys? So I know when we were having our preliminary conversation about this topic, we talked about the damage of the Mama's Boy syndrome and, you know, the daddy's girl. <laughs> um, because the idea is that child has become an emotional replacement for a husband and a significant other, which in itself is a type of abuse, but we're not going to get into that because as a mother where you're supposed to be, you know, nurturing and, and guiding when the roles reverse of where you believe that that son should now take care of you to the point where he neglects his own wife and family, you know, it's, 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 I, I, I don't like to tell, say people have some mental ailments that have not been addressed, but the fact that you believe that that's normal is concerning to me that you honestly believe that your son is yours and that he should only appease you. So let me let me stop you right there. Um cuz this is where I'm I'm just going to make a a broad I'm I'm just going to say something that could be true or not. I'm almost 90% sure he didn't grow up with his dad in the house. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, with that look I am that you going gave to co-sign on that. Absolutely, uh, it it seems like it was a definitely a single um, parent household where his mother was his primary connection, and so he he didn't learn that balance. And unfortunately, that is what sometimes happens in the households with mothers that are raising sons. And I have this conversation with single mothers that say, you know, I don't want to date anymore. I'm just going to focus on raising my children. Um, you know, these people out here, you know, aren't good, blah, 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 blah. And I go back to the conversation of what are you teaching your child? You have to model the expectation you have to model what you want for your children. So, I mean, there's a difference between not finding somebody and you're actively looking, but to completely shut down and say, I'm not dating anyone. I'm just going to focus on raising my child because then once them, those children grow up, what what you what you going to do? So I'm, I'm, I'm big on this. I always push this on the majority of my shows of, um, the 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 mom calling her son king and and things like that and I, I think that's a big detriment and and i'll go so far as to say in our community um you hear me talk about our community a lot because i focus on the black community first this is what the show center around um i think single mothers don't realize the detriment mm -hmm. that they're doing to their sons mm -hmm. i mean in this she said that she's his third wife mm -hmm. and the two previous wives the left same for the same exact thing right, right so either he there's some sick twisted thing going on 
or he's blind and really needs to get to the root of this that he can't see why his mom is ruining all of his relationships. Um, he need therapy. He need, but he needs therapy. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna go back to because, like I said, I, I I like to focus on patterns and behaviors. I'm going to go back to the fact that children are children from zero to eighteen years old. That's it. That's all they get. And from eighteen to ninety nine. You have your adult years. So what happens in those years, 0 to 18, 100% matter. That produces the adult that stands before you. And in the absence of the right lessons, the balance lessons, that's what you get. So the mom probably treated him like the man of the house. Like I, It makes me cringe when the women are like, oh, he's the man of the house. No, 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 he's not. He is not the man of the house. That is a child. Allow that child to have that experience because if they don't have it, they repeat it. That's those grown men children, those uncle babies. <laughs> yeah, we, we have a bunch of baby Hueys going, going around. Right. And, and, and that's just patterns of behavior because going back to Eric Erickson's psychosocial stages of development, if you don't master a stage, you repeat it. When you repeat it, we don't know, but it might be those people that's like 90 years, well, 50 years old, shaking it down in the club because they never got a chance to go to the club. Like you repeat it if you don't get an opportunity to master it. So from zero to 18, you have to let children be children. They are not the man of the house. That's not, you know, he's, he's not supposed to take care of you. That's your job. You're supposed to take care of him. You're supposed to teach him right from wrong. He has chores. He contributes to the household like everyone else so that he can see how the system works. But he is not your man. He is not responsible for taking care of you. And when he gets older, it is still a choice because, Mama, you have lived your life. So how dare you impose in his life? Because once a man is married and we follow in the Bible, he's supposed to what? Leave. Let me leave mother and father. Right. To cleave, cleave to your wife. Right. Okay. So you 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 brought the Bible up, uh, not me, because everybody knows it's my favorite book. But um, first thing she said that the mother lives with them. In your professional, in okay, in in your professional opinion, all the years you've been doing this, how much has that played a a a, a role? in breaking up relationships the mother living with the the married couple so and 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 and, and i'm always going to just go back to patterns of behaviors it's about boundaries right that child those people that family don't understand boundaries nor were they ever set so because a mother can live with their child if they understand the boundaries that exist within the household right if there is a level of communication and respect in that household. But if there's not, then it's not going to be successful because people are going to cross boundaries and take up space that they're not supposed to be occupying because there are roles. There are specific roles in a household and it, and it works better when people, every, everybody plays their role. So as a guest, 
the mother is not a a a um a fixture like they're not part of the system they are guests into the system because you have to invite them in and allow them to be part of the system and assign them tasks but when you give the mother that primary role you move them into the house and you make her the primary female figure in the house then the wife is going to feel depleted and deleted and insignificant and so there is a a a a struggle between the two women in the household that has been created so i think as a gra as a as a not a grassroot but as a um baseline uh recommendation is to have that conversation in those dating years right that premarital counseling these are the conversations that we're supposed to have in the beginning like do you intend on your any family members coming to live with us and what does that look like it's all about conversation people people not talking they're not talking would you I, would you marry somebody that had two previous marriages i wouldn't i personally wouldn't i would ask i think go back to conversation why why what happened why i wouldn't marry them no or? no like you have to explore the narrative right of as to what happened like you can't just generalize that person and just like your epic failure at marriage you should never try it again that's not fair <laughs> that's just like you know how many f's have you gotten on your report cards trevor <laughs> I got a few. Okay, <laughs> so did you stop going to school? Did you not graduate high school? We don't just get miss the don't quit. But <laughs> um but no, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I wouldn't say no because you don't know the circumstances of what led to that because if one died, but in her case, now let's be honest. If it walked like a duck and it quacked like a duck, you knew that going in. So we have to talk about living consciously, right? Because people love living in the subconscious. That's in the back of the head, right? We pretend we don't know what's going on. And we think something is going to change. But you know what's going on. You know who you married. You knew the narrative before you even placed yourself in that condition. So um, was the marriage more important to you than the truth? Because there is, I can almost guarantee that... She knew that. I mean, maybe she had an idea. I don't know, but... Mm. I'm glad you say that, though, because she said that that's the same reason the two previous marriages didn't work out. So at some point, she had to have talked to those two previous marriages. Just I'm just guessing that because I doubt, based on this letter, that he would have told her anything. Right. Um, and and I, like I said, just just patterns of behavior. So while we were dating, what was what were you acting like? Were you did you live with your mother at that time? Right. That's living in the consciousness, bringing using that frontal cortex opposed to the subconscious. Was, was did he live with his mother? And then having that conversation, like, what is the plan for when we get married? Is your mother coming to live with us? Because if it, if that was yes, then it'll be like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Like, the conversations aren't happening. We are all acting surprised because we are not strategically moving through life with intention. We're just doing things and hoping something stick. So, no, um, I'm going to say that there should have been some real conversations taking place at the beginning of this marriage, especially how weighted it is like i think there's more to it right because 
you talk about now what what was the salt in the bed about like i'm haitian and i be, and i know about the voodoo and, and I'm, stuff I'm, I'm jamaican so i i have no idea <laughs> well, what that what's is. the salt in the bed about like i'm, I'm, I'm y'all uh <laughs> listeners if you can drop that in the facebook comment and tell us what does the salt in the bed do i mean like besides make it uncomfortable of course i guess i but maybe it's it's some black magic i i mean i I don't know because I, one thing one thing that did um, stick out to me, um, she said that her, the mother-in-law was upset because she wanted to have control over her and her husband's home, and then she told her that there can only be one queen, and that's me. That that's what she told the mother-in-law. Yeah. Right, and so and that's an, that's another thing, right? So, question: Did things start to deteriorate more after that? Like, was it necessary for her to have that I'm Queen B conversation with the mother? How old was the mother? Is the mother? Like, you have to, you kind of have to pick your battles because you're already in it, right? So, what happened after you had that conversation? Is that when the salt started getting put in your bed and it's, <laughs> and it continuously declined? Was it if, because if you're fighting for territory and you know you're fighting for territory, and you know you might not win, then you need to just have a conversation with your husband. And if it's not working, it's not working. Like, I don't know that you can be in a relationship with somebody that's not willing to partner with you. Like, you can't hope they change. And that's the big misconception. People enter relationships hoping to change other people. That is not your job. I always tell my couples when they walk in here, if nothing changes today and the person that is sitting next to you is the person that will be with you for the next 30 years, are you willing to go down the aisle? Oh, my God. That's a good question to ask. <laughs> And if the answer is no, then we need to have some more sessions. If the answer is yes, then let's move on to the next part of this premarital counseling. Well, I don't, I mean, I, I think you summed this letter up um, tremendously. I, I don't have anything else to add. I, and I know what you're going to say um, to the person who wrote this, that they probably should seek some, not probably, they should seek some counseling. Um, but I will ask you, do you think a marriage like that is salvageable? Because they're separated now. But do you think that, do you think based on this, that that marriage is um, salvageable? I believe that we are human beings and our ability to learn is remarkable. Like we have, you know, we are the smart, it's the, one of the most adaptable and smartest species on earth. Like we have abilities that other species do not have. So I don't ever count someone out in their ability to learn and grow. It is their willingness, right? So is it salvageable? Yes, absolutely. Having a conversation like, is this something you want to save? Going back to the table, renegotiating this contract that we had this marriages. And one of the very first thing at the contract is your mother's getting her own place. And if that's not what he's willing to do, then no, that contract is void. It's not going to work. Like we really have to sit down and talk about what going to work versus what's not going to work what we're going to compromise on what we're going to negotiate about uh because we're just winging it we're just winging this thing called life we're winging this thing called marriage we're just winging it and we're not being intentional about taking these steps forward and making sure that we're doing the work and with that i'm going to close out this show i thank you so much for doing this with me 
Um, I know we were supposed to do this a while a while ago, but things right. things happen, and <laughs> I think it's been a year. What it's been it, a has, year? it hasn't been that long. <laughs> I think it's been at least a year, and I was like, we gotta get and talk. And Pro- probably the initial conversation was a year ago, but we were supposed to um, meet around Valentine's Day, but I think something happened. Okay. Um, but I, I I I mean, this was tremendous. I I really thank you for um for spending the time, and before we go, just. Let us know about your services, how they can reach you. Just just plug, 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 because I think what you have to offer is vital to our community growing. Um, I've been on this whole therapy thing a lot lately, and, and like sitting down talking with you, I just see the importance of it. Right, right. I, I always want to emphasize that now that we know better we have to do better we owe it to our ancestors to live the life that they fought so hard for and for us to be accountable for this thing called freedom life liberty whatever we are trying to pursue we owe it to them so that's why i go so hard with my families and i push so hard therapy because i know what it's done for me because this is not just a job. Like I've had life experiences that had I allowed to derail me, I would have been a statistic. I would have doubled down a statistic. I would have created statistics. Like it would have been really bad for me. So talking is the oldest form of therapy that exists to man. And it is underrated. Like, we don't give it enough value how important talking is in communication. So making sure, and it you, you just have to make sure you have a place where you download, where you plug in. And sometimes there's a mental health aspect. There's mental illness aspect of it, which requires you to seek professional help where it's not just the conversation because there might be some things that that's happening to you that you might not realize is happening to you it might be um something that has been passed on from generation to generation like mental health is really really important but people don't really see it as that because we're only used to seeing physical ailments you're used to running to the hospital because you have a broken bone but you're not used to running to the hospital because you have a broken heart. So therapy is part of the whole person, taking care of the whole person and what that looks like. So I, you know, have had my um, practice and I see clients. And so if you are interested in having a consultation, because I do believe that it has to be a fit, like you pick me just like I choose you. You don't just walk in like, I'm not your God. I'm not your savior. I'm not going to solve all your problems. It has to be a collaborative effort. You have to want to be here. I'm not looking to build your insurance company to make money. It has to be something that you want to do because we're going to essentially waste each other's time. And you know, we don't have enough of that. So making sure that you show up when you are ready and because you want to do this call me my office is 954-874-2921 you can email me at a new way at gmail.com or again like i said you can call me at 954-874-2921 and i have a website i believe it's a new way (laughs) (laughs) that's terrible right a new way a new way.com is a n n e w um a new way a-N-N-E-W-A-Y dot com. 
You can tell I don't do this often because I'm never but trying to advertise. You're great at it. You're great at but it. But yes, yeah, so 954 874 2921. Email me a new way at gmail.com or check out our website, A N N E W A Y.com. And let's see. I always say I'm not saying that my way is the right way and your way is the wrong way, but let's find a new way. And with that, we're going to end. And I thank you again for tuning in to Straight Talk with Trevor, Season 4. God, these things are just creeping up on me. And before I close and parting, you know, I always leave you with these words of wisdom, and it'll never change. Always seek out the truth for yourself, because if not, you'll fall victim to other people's interpretations of them. And with that, I say peace. If you can't get enough of Straight Talk with Trevor, be sure to like our Facebook page. You'll get page-only exclusives like links to early shows and behind-the-scenes video footage. You can also participate in polls that might shape future shows. The best thing about our Facebook page is that's where you can get in direct contact with Trevor. You can also leave show topics, reviews, or even request to be a guest on the show. Again, like us on Facebook and thank you for your continued support.